grew from despicable me stealing uh, the everest yeah finally wrote it who was content. stealing the everest grew grew from despicable me yeah. <laughs> was stealing everest yeah in the middle of night i'm like uh, screaming that stop group stop group i look out of the window to make sure that the everest is still there Cruz has come with a shrink gun and shrink ray and he shrunk the Mount Everest and he's stealing it. And we were riding Himalayans to watch the Everest and we just see a big hole where the Everest was. Like a radio broadcast advises safety at all times. Discusses underage riding but celebrates the spirit of motorcycling. And how? another blood rush of an episode on biker radio broadcast india's exclusive podcast celebrating motorcycling stories from across india it's heroic riders legendary mechanics and iconic brands narrated by members of the community one legend at a time i'm shandy and i'm sunny and we're super delighted for a whole bunch of reasons yeah first yes we went shopping and blew up a ton of cash on some swanky new microphones a kickass mixer and bits and bobs of studio equipment so you will no longer have to endure the scrappy audio that we have been dishing out all along and now we have the world's most advanced podcast production gear say what yeah secondly really? yes and secondly on the 22nd of november biker radio broadcast went live from the hilltop and no simple hilltop hilltop on vagator goa at the royal infield ridermania 2019 where we put up radio ridermania a live radio station dedicated to the event and powered by biker radio broadcast for that we had help this time from our sound engineer tax cardia who's under the weather as we speak uh, yeah but you know it was a spectacular show and boy did we get a good fire going oh yeah It was India's first event radio. So now Biker Radio Broadcast can broadcast live from anywhere on the planet and is exclusively available to Biker Radio Broadcast club members only. So later in the show we'll tell you how you can get your own membership. But thirdly, and while our Radio Ridermania 2019 live show coincided with our 48th episode, we decided to bring to you the hidden gem behind this epic annual motorcycling festival which having completed a decade of revelry was celebrating its 11th edition uh, more than 8500 registrations and guests special invitees and daily visitors included the logistics and clockwork that makes such an event a success and all that is just simply awe inspiring and the man who has seen it happen from day zero has confessed by himself is our special guest on the 40th episode 
of the long way home on the biker radio broadcast he is a son a friend a husband a voracious reader an explorer a database designer a teamster a brave heart a rapid chess player a philosopher a metalhead a lock picker and a prankster at heart please welcome the atlas behind the royal enfield rider mania santosh vijay kumar welcome to the biker radio broadcast welcome to the long way home thank you so much it's really nice to be here talking to you guys <laughs> i'm sounding like frogs <laughs> right now all of us so oh, yeah so during the rider mania i've been calling him the the frog prince the frog the prince. prince i am the frog prince okay did you get a kiss though <laughs> uh, you never kiss and tell or you never receive a kiss and tell uh, yeah don't you <laughs> I mean, doing this at the end of Rider Mania, even one day later, is like a what do you call it? Radio yoga. Oh man. Okay. Where does this start? I started off in Bangalore. I grew up in Bangalore. I think uh, I remember from the time three when I was three years old. Hmm. Uh, I have a phenomenal memory, by the way. <laughs> so I remember wanting to be a fighter pilot. Right. Yeah, I want to be a fighter pilot. my uh, uh, grandmother's house was right behind the bangalore uh, airport okay and so when, i would see those planes take off oh, wow every day from the, the roof uh-huh. right? so i didn't know it was called a fighter plane but i knew that i wanted to be on those right uh-huh. so both my uncles uh, were scientists slash researchers okay at either okay nal or c dot uh-huh. so in my in my house you either grew up to be a scientist yeah okay or you became a chartered accountant uh-huh that's what everyone's done i guess okay okay <laughs> and i did the same i went to school uh, i did uh, engineering mm mm-hmm. electronics and communication i worked in the it industry for 6 years so you did your schooling in bangalore yeah okay. schooling in bangalore. and your engineering and engineering in bangalore what college was that uh, vivekananda institute of technology okay Yeah, did you get into that uh, by design or uh, yeah. you wanted to do that? I wanted to. Okay. Well, I liked electronics. I mean, I still like electronics. There was a small time when I was considering uh, just majoring in pure sciences like an MSc. Okay. But then I think engineering was pretty much you get pushed into it. Right. Right. So you must have been a smart kid. Very yeah. smart kid. Yeah, scholarship throughout school. Wow. So my dad didn't have to pay fees. Wow. So early question What do you like about electronics? Uh The best thing I liked about electronics was uh you were doing really cool stuff with very small currents, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. when you understand transistors you can realize how you can control a really really large current with a small switch. The switch is really small. Uh-huh. You can cut it on and off. and it was making everything go small i liked uh, back then i was uh, deeply into microelectronics okay. so i i've seen those grandfather radios and i've seen how things were becoming smaller and smaller right and uh, human ingenuity at its best right and uh, i really liked I, i wanted to make things smaller okay ah so i've i've been seeing so i i assembled my first uh, computer when i was in 16 Uh, back then in those days you never bought a branded computer uh-huh. 
right? Yeah, you, yeah. You, 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 you rigged it up. So yeah, you rigged it up. So you used to go to a place called SP Road. Hmm. You used to haggle with him on the price of a hard drive, save hundred right. rupees there, yeah. save two hundred rupees on the motherboard, uh-huh. save something else, yeah. and uh, used to buy bigger uh, cases, CPU cases. Right. I mean, right. you know, because you wanted, you're running, uh, you're running <coughs> advanced. Uh, I mean, now those cards won't be advanced. <laughs> Back then, they were advanced graphics cards. You know, you need mm. more cooling. Uh, right. right. And then some idiot had this really great idea that we should overclock our uh, <laughs> CPUs. <laughs> CPUs. <laughs> and he got a, it's a half-brained idea. And uh, one article with, with that we were trying to overclock blew it. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so that's what fascinated me a lot with electronics. Mm-hmm. I wanted to understand how things happen inside. Right. Mm-hmm. You're listening to the Michael Radio Broadcast. Listen, connect, ride on. Orange, please. कल करे सो आज कर आज करे सो कब कल करे सो आज कर आज करे सो कब एक पल में टक्कर होएगा अरे बीमा करेगा तब हॉर्न प्लीज ओके टाटा हाय आई एम विजय परमार एंड यू लिसनिंग टू द बाइकर रेडियो रॉडकास्ट Hi, this is Santosh Vijay Kumar from Royal Enfield here on the long way home. For most people it's a black box. Right. And they get scared. They're like let's not touch this. Right. But uh, I've always uh, had this keenness to open it and then I got into it. I liked it. I really enjoyed doing it. <coughs> then I did my project for the Center for Development of Telematics. We were we were trying to make this is uh, before the days of VoIP. Right. Voice over internet, right? So right. we were trying to uh increase the throughput. Uh-huh. of a certain message bus my uncle was working there so he got me and my friend into the project i think uh, that's the only only worthwhile thing i've done in uh, college okay right like for 6 months while was, in college ha huh, only wow. uh, yes uh, worthwhile i'm saying is in there was an end result to that right. apart from getting marks right uh, that's uh, uh. it's actually it, it was so you chose well ha huh. So for six months we did it, and uh, and later on we got to know that uh, those message buses were sold to many countries, including Maldives. Uh-huh. It was cheaper, the cheaper than what was available in the market from the Americans or the Chinese back then. So I thought that uh, Indian companies, right, could actually do good if they had a chance. I had a very good uh, uh, guide. Okay. He was from IIT. His name was Ravi, uh-huh. and he helped us a lot. It was good fun. So I did that, and then got into IT. I worked for six years, had great fun. I was pranking everyone in the office. So somewhere in between, what kind of work were you doing? Basically, database design. So I used to work on SQL servers. Okay. I would uh, design the database, uh-huh. and then sometimes I would also do the front end, but okay. uh, primarily stay behind the scenes. Okay. Do the database, give it finished, uh-huh. and uh, and what is the prank that you played? Oh, and the prank I played was uh, somewhere in between. I learned how to uh, pick locks. Oh, pick locks, yeah. physical locks, or yeah, digital physical locks. locks, physical locks, physical locks. <laughs> now you're talking yeah, physical <laughs> locks. I and again, some friend of mine gave me a printout, but then now you can find it online. It was called the MIT Guide to Lock Picking. Okay. The MIT Guide. Yeah. Okay. So 
the engineers in <laughs> uh, in fact they were the first guys to uh, so this was actual mit actual mit okay. engineers of the mit uh, college uh-huh. Uh-huh. they actually made a guide on how locks work uh-huh. and how to manipulate them and how to uh-huh. uh, open them without keys uh-huh. right. and uh, uh-huh. so it's it's a very old book so it obviously has the old locks but the principles are same pretty much all locks the same mm-hmm. okay. so i read it i tried it with a few locks and then um, you know then you started doing more and more of it you started buying locks just for the heck of it yeah. cutting it open to see what was there to see what the flaws are and uh, so all these guys would uh, lock their desks and put their stuff in the desk you know how you are you are assigned to a desk yeah, and you and have the it it just becomes a kind of possession right uh, uh, like if you are assigned to a desk and uh, your key uh, and all these guys are like oh i've arrived in life uh, and i used to find that very ironic and stupid so i would open their uh, desks and put in i would i would do a print out i would i would take print outs from the company sometimes just <laughs> make a random termination letter sign it with the boss's name and leave it <laughs> you know oh first thing in the God. morning they open the door and see the letter and like, what the what hell, hell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you you still managed to last 6 years 6 years wow yeah pretty much i think the guys are also cool uh, they realize that i'm mad this stay of the way my name is mukit singhunjan of the legendary secretaries of canada and you are listening to biker radio broadcast you listening to the biker radio broadcast listen connect ride on so on the 48th episode of the biker radio broadcast i am shandy and i'm sunny and we have on the long way home the man who for years has been exploring destinations and doing rekis before royal enfield offers rides to its faithful the himalayan odyssey the himalayan odyssey for women the astral ride the tour of uttarakhand the tour of rajasthan the coastal ride etc 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 some of the marquee rides the royal enfield website has some more if you're interested So whether it be designing SQL server databases or conducting the rider mania Santosh prefers to be at the back end behind the scenes at the heart of the machine catering to every requirement and every situation never batting an eyelid and never missing a beat kudos to the leadership provided within Royal Enfield people like Santosh get to explore the beyond and yeah. share it across the entire community well i love the prankster in him and celebrating our lock picking metalhead biker radio broadcast has cast the show bumper with some judas priest breaking the log breaking the log breaking the log breaking the log yeah i'm I, sure even judas is turning in his grave right now you bet hi this is santosh vijay kumar vijay kumar from royal enfield here on the long way home so i used to ride motorcycles from right. college i i love motorcycles i love going fast so a two stroke motorcycle was my first one a yamaha rx100 like most kids in bangalore you wow wanted one yeah and then after i started working i think uh, that's that's why i lasted 6 years so the pay was good mm mm-hmm. uh, dad took care of everything Mm-hmm. All I had to do was uh, figure out how to spend the money. Right. So I bought uh, five motorcycles, I think, when I was in IT. I had oh, all five of them. One every year, almost. Yeah, pretty much one on average every year. Huh. 
One of them was a, a four-cylinder Honda V4, a oh. VFR 400. It's a 400cc four-cylinder V4 engine. Uh-huh. Mm. It's a real screamer. A shame I had to let go of it later on. Yeah, so I was just riding motorcycles. And for me, uh, motorcycling back then was just about going fast and in the city. and Right. Not thinking too much. Yeah, I would do the occasional trip somewhere. And, and I think that time, uh, Bangalore, you could drive fast also. On the road. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could, you could, you could. Yeah, the, uh, this, was a, this was a time when they were actually building that uh, famous uh, IT, you know, that elevated uh, right. flyover yeah. to yeah. Yeah. Infosys? Yeah. This is around that time. Okay. And I kid you not, in Bangalore, if it took you half an hour to reach some place, uh-huh. people would start grumbling. Right. Mm. Right? That is taking too long. long. Mm. They would start grumbling back then. <laughs> These days it takes what, now three, just, three just, just four hours. hours. They have resigned <laughs> to the fate. They don't care anymore. Ah, it'll happen three hours. Okay, can't do anything. So, uh, my thumb rule also back then, when I was in college at least, was uh, 20 rupees. In 20 rupees of petrol, I could uh, reach anywhere in Bangalore. Uh-huh. Mm. From anywhere in Bangalore, I could go anywhere else. Because mm. uh, mm, the major city at least. Mm. You got almost a liter, you, uh, not liter, you got... 700 ml of petrol mm. that gave you about 25 kilometers mm. right only thing is you need like 20 rupees to come back mm. <laughs> so many a time you'd be at a pub or a bar <laughs> god forget that you don't have the 20 rupees still with you <laughs> and i had a friend push the bike i don't know how i used to prank people it's so so simple i mean I think people don't realize all of this you know you had you didn't have fuel injection you had carburetors right you right, had the right. fuel cord and people knew that my bike is always going to run out of petrol. People are like just waiting this week when it's going to happen. Mm. And they make fun of you. So I was like, okay, you make fun of me. So once we're going, my friend, he wasn't feeling a little, uh, I mean, he, he wasn't feeling good. His stomach, mm. he had an upset and he's sitting on the bike. And he's been making jokes about me for like three, <laughs> three four months or more, I don't know, whatever. So I'm just calmly, I've just calmly taken it. And then while we're going, I just switch off the... Uh, fuel. The fuel cock. <laughs> and it's a down slope, so I switch it off. And uh, the bike comes to a halt. like, what happened? Like, what happened? I was like, no, man. I was like, the petrol bunk is here only. Half a yeah. kilometer behind me, but I had to go this way. Start pushing the bike. So he pushes the bike for some time and he's like, I can't push it, I can't push it, it stands. I said, okay, and just continue pushing the bike for some time. But meanwhile, I've switched the petrol on. Mm. Get on the bike, kickstart it and go up. <laughs> <laughs> so the minute I kickstart the bike, and this guy's my best friend, right? He's realized what's happened. He doesn't need me to explain. He knows that I've switched it off. <laughs> he's angry. At the same time, he finds it funny. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so <laughs> if I call him right now, he'll remember it. <laughs> so what's his name? His name is Srivatsav Kaliwe. Like once I went to his house, something was wrong with his computer. I think yeah, he, he was basically trying to fix it. Right? I think uh, he had lost the motherboard drivers and all and he was uh, deep in that. His mother told him that back then there was a sh- water shortage in Bangalore. Yeah. <laughs> the water is, the corporation water is going to come. I put like a pot there. Make sure once it comes, you start filling water or something like that. Mm-hmm. And we're living in the first floor. It's like a duplex house. So I go, I ring the bell, I open the door, and there's water flowing from the staircase, staircase down. I'm like, what are you going to do? He's like, I forgot. <laughs> so, I, I, so he just opens the door, he doesn't say anything. He just runs up. And I walk in, I'm looking, I realize what's happened. He's 
forgotten to take the pot off. The pot's closing the sink, so there's no water to go. It's overflowed. Huh. And he's looking very haggard. You know, like, uh, looks at me he's like, he, you know, he's like looking for moral support. I'm like, what will I get a glass of water? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> लॉन्ग वे होम ऑन द बाइकर रेडियो ब्रॉडकास्ट आई एम सनी एंड आई एम शैंडी एंड विद इज द मैन ऑफ ट्रू मेटल the galvanizer of workhorses that put out the royal enfield rider mania year after year after year after year santosh vijay kumar on the next episode we have another stalwart from the motorcycling fraternity kostub pengodkar the man whose story of his collection of jawas will bring tears to your eyes it certainly got him very emotional that story coming up on our 49th episode and right after that We'll turn fifty. So, if you would like to send us audio messages celebrating this awesome fifty-episode partnership that you have engaged in with the Biker Radio Broadcast, the number waiting to hear your audio message remains the same: eight nine two zero two seven double six seven five. And the website has more details about reaching us. That's bikerradiobroadcast dot com. Remember, there's a double R: bikerradiobroadcast dot com. And while you are there, please take the contest. Contest is a special listening test to check just how high a frequency your ear can hear. It is here that you can apply for the club BRR. Remember, our tagline is "Listen, Connect, Ride On." And to begin with, club members will get to be part of any live event that Biker Radio Broadcast is part of, among other benefits that we hope to share over time. Back on the long way home, we asked Santosh about his story with motorcycles. Hi, this is Santosh Vijay Kumar, Vijay Kumar, Vijay Kumar from Royal Enfield. Here on the long way home. So, what is your first motorcycle? You know, I mean, the first set of two wheels. The first set of two wheels was actually the first was a hand-me-down, a Suzuki Samurai, no problem. Okay. Okay. The TBS Suzuki Samurai. Uh-huh. That was the first. Uh, it was handed down by my cousin, I think. Uh-huh. He gave it to. And you'd already learned to ride the motorcycle. No. Okay. I got the bike and learned how to ride. All right. I knew I could ride a cycle. Pretty much the physics behind it was the same. Only thing I had to get used to was the clutch and the gear. Uh huh. That took about half a day. Okay. Uh huh. So that was my first cycle. What cycle? And uh, how old were you then? Sixteen and a half, seventeen, seventeen. Okay, so all through college uh, you had the that bike. No, no, I moved from that one day. I sold the bike without telling my dad. Uh huh. The resale value was good. Okay. And uh, back then there was no craze about this bike called 
yes deeds i used to like them uh-huh. right the road king especially yeah. the road king that's the only bike i liked nothing else i didn't like the java and like the uh-huh. any of the other bikes the road king had a great great appeal because uh, it was being rallied by them so mm. some people had those rally tanks it looked right. good right it had a really distinct exhaust note uh-huh. and it actually looked cooler right so someone was selling a sd for 7500 rupees uh-huh. 8000 rupees and it was the last batch of bikes and my samurai still had a decent uh, resale value sold mm-hmm. it for 14000 rupees wow okay right so i went to the, the workshop sold the bike for 14000 rupees went here i paid that uncle 8000 rupees 8500 rupees and uh, got the motorcycle back parked it in front of the house in front of the gate and i'm inside the house my dad's coming he's yelling at my mom like who's parked the bike in front of the house and like some <laughs> idiots parked the bike in front of the house i'm like hey, wait 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 this is not my bike he's like what do you mean your bike oh they are sold the other one i got this one <laughs> my dad didn't know what to say did you see the paper and then we're like did you check for papers and i was like no i don't know anything huh. he just gave me papers he gave me this book huh. and my dad was like now you need to get a register in your name and all of that but uh, i don't think i bothered doing it <laughs> didn't work out i mean it worked out nothing happened so that was the uh, so i i changed into onto the uh, to that motorcycle hmm. my friends were all riding pulsers and fears and feros and stuff like that right only one guy had a royal enfield uh, thunderbird uh-huh. and uh, so like it's a little too much because uh, it was expensive you couldn't ask your dad to buy you a thunderbird hmm. he had one but yeah so, so even when you started working uh, you didn't go for the enfield oh no no i did you so did? when i was working <clears throat> by the uh, so once i got this motorcycle is when i actually got a little more serious about uh, motorcycles as such mm. so i found a really good mechanic uh, who who was actually now in australia he was he was a diploma uh, in automotive uh, engineering i think okay his dad used to be a racer slash tuner uh, he used to tune bikes Uh-huh. So this guy explained to me how motorcycles work, how do you make them go fast. So that whole bug of sitting in the workshop and understanding, and then seeing some other bike being built, all of that started. Mm. So in engineering, it just became a little more. Now we had more money. Now we had to try things to do on your motorcycle, see if it works. So then I got, uh, I got a 350 Yamaha twin. Mm. I got a RXZ mm. uh, five-speed. Mm-hmm. Then I got the VFR, like I was saying, the VFR 400Z. uh then got another rd350 mm. uh, to just play around mm-hmm. actually most of, most of the idiots back then uh, would say that you should buy an rd350 if you get for cheap uh, a spare one because if you need any parts you can just take it uh-huh. yeah it doesn't make sense now but <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so these bikes and then i bought a much more uh, the royal enfield much more 500 oh, okay mm. i just thought the bike looked damn cool uh-huh. mm. look very cool it had a chrome tank So it was advertised with the saddle seat, right? Right. Okay. Twin right. thing. Yeah. I didn't like the windscreen. Never liked windscreens. Mm. But uh, the seat looked really nice. So when I went there uh, to book the bike, my dad and all. My dad also wanted to buy a Royal Enfield for a long time. Right. I think when I was young, uh, or when I was a kid, or just before that. But somehow things didn't happen, and he just lost interest. So I thought I'll buy him the motorcycle. Wow. Okay. He could ride with me. Nice. So I bought the bike for him. Uh, so when I reached the showroom, I realized that the seat, the standard seat, is the long seat, bench mm-hmm. seat, and this, and it was some ten thousand rupees extra. Okay. Mm. 
I was like, let me just get the bike. I'll see if I need to fill the seats. So we got the bike, and my first pillion was my dad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So both of us sat on the bike, and uh, this was in uh, near Lal Bagh. It was called the the showroom doesn't exist anymore. It's called Agro Motors, I think. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. We went back from there to Jenagar. First time, uh, and this was the first time my dad was also coming with me because really? he was like, finally now you have a motorcycle I can sit on. Mm. Right, it doesn't feel like uh, <laughs> it's gonna kill me. It's not like a racing bike. So we rode back together, and uh, yeah, but he somehow didn't. He rode it a couple of times, but mm. didn't take it very seriously. And then he passed away due to an illness, oh. mm. uh, autoimmune disease. Oh. So I ended up riding the Machis Mamur, and uh, that's when I started to explore the country. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I would just take the bike, and initially it'd be like two fifty kilometers, three hundred kilometers. And by then, uh, there were motorcycle clubs all over Bangalore, and right. people were doing insane things. But I was never the kind of a uh, a clubby kind of guy. I was always loner. I would like to be alone by myself. Mm. And uh, but all these guys are friends also. It's just that I wouldn't subscribe to the thing of waking up at six o'clock in the morning, going and assembling at some place, mm. waiting for fifty other people to come in, mm. and then ride along together. Because I've never woken up on time for anything in my life. Hi, I am Vijay Singh of Rajputana Customs on the Biker Radio Broadcast. You're listening to the Biker Radio Broadcast. Listen, connect, ride on. We'll take a short detour to bring you a report filled in by one of Santosh's co-riders on his most recent ride out to the Everest base camp from the Tibetan side. So my way is a road report by one of you. Anyone can be part of the show by sending us an audio message of their ride from the road trip. And you don't need connectivity. You just record your voice on WhatsApp and we'll get it as soon as you are within connectivity. On this my way, we have Rohit Ashok, better known as Toll Free Traveler, sharing with us the pre-ride report on the Himalayan adventure Wrongbook. The same one which was being led by our guest this week, Santosh Vijay Kumar of Royal Enfield. My way. Hi, this is Rohit, toll-free traveler, and this is my way. I am back in Nepal much sooner than I'd ever expected. I'm here for the Royal Enfield Himalayan Adventure 2019 to Rongbuk. I think we're a group of 11. We started from Kathmandu earlier this morning. We're in Nepal for one more day, and then we cross the border. The idea of this ride is that we're going to three base camps: the Everest base camp, the Chowu base camp. and uh, shri sapangma base camp it's quite an ambitious ride to say the least uh, we're going to be hitting some insanely high altitudes probably experiencing some terribly cold weather none of us really know exactly what lies in store but uh, it's going to be interesting and exciting for sure we are all on himalayans stock bikes i mean these bikes are built to be used in places like this so there isn't much to be done in terms of uh, adding stuff or changing stuff the idea is really to just use the bikes as they are and do something cool with them so today was a short ride we've ridden to a town called trishuli which is about 70 kilometers from kathmandu but in typical nepal style the ride was exciting and it took its own sweet time but uh, tomorrow we begin the process to exit the nepal border and i think day after we do the entry on the other side so 
the distances aren't large for the first few days because there's a lot of procedural stuff to be done but thereafter the real exciting stuff begins we say that we ride to the mountains so often and we go to places and we see the snow capped peaks the himalayas and the distance and i guess we're always trying to get closer to those peaks and uh, just the idea of what we're trying to do on this ride and i have a feeling we're going to get closer to some of the most uh, iconic himalayan mountains than uh, most motorcyclists would have in the past so in that sense just the idea behind this ride and what we're trying to achieve that is the hero of this entire thing so the dalbhat power 24 hour line is actually really famous here in nepal you in fact get t-shirts with that line on them i haven't heard the no toilet no shower bit but i hope <laughs> that we won't be in that situation once you're on the mountains high altitude in fact it's too cold to shower so let's see how that goes as of now we've just started the ride so we've done only about 70 kilometers getting across the border is a bit of a process so we need to do it over two two and a half days we're actually not going to uh, muktinath and apamustang we're crossing the border further northeast at a different border crossing so it should be interesting i think a lot of new experiences on this journey this is rohit toll free traveler on the biker radio broadcast and this is my way my way But thanks Rohit the toll free traveler there on my way but this is perhaps hard to believe but for a man who grew up in Bangalore Santosh has never been to the Nandi Hills and for those who are not familiar Nandi Hills is the most popular excursion for almost anyone everyone visiting Bangalore and somehow Santosh has never managed to include it in his itinerary <laughs> yeah, maybe you don't get good beer there maybe Hi, this is Santosh Vijay Kumar. Vijay Kumar, Kumar. From Royal Enfield. Here on the long way home. So then I started going around. And then I figured out that the Enfield is probably the, was the best back then. And even now in many places. To see our country. Mm. And this is again a Bangalore boy. Right? Uh-huh. My limit of travelling within... I mean, I would travel to... get good beer mm. most of the times mm. <laughs> uh, and good beer was available a little far away from where you were yeah yeah sometimes sometimes cheap beer good cheap beer right good okay. cheap beer yeah, with cheap hose okay <laughs> good beer you get probably <laughs> cheap hose yeah uh so then uh, i think things changed for me and then we were riding around uh, soon i was riding uh, So if somebody was getting married, a friend of mine is getting married in Kerala. I'll mm. say, okay, I'll see you guys. I'll I'll be there. I'll come there on a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to get married in Uttar Pradesh. Okay, I'll come and see you there. Mm. Uh, you need a reason to ride right. a motorcycle. Yeah. I, I still didn't have a reason. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then it's all changed soon. And then I um, uh, did my first trip in the mountains and I was like blown. Uh-huh. I was like, I was boy. Was I born in the wrong place? I mean, like, <laughs> you know, I shouldn't have been born down south there. I should have been born way up north here. Uh, what, what, what first trip was that? What trip yeah, was? What it? was your first trip? You won't believe it. Huh? This is not not even way high in the mountains. Yeah, This is just know. ahead of Manali. No, but yeah. at least till there, you you had an experience which was you'd never had ever before, right? Yeah, yeah. Take yeah. us through that experience. So nothing. So we were just. Uh, I was thinking of what to do, and you kept saying Leh Ladakh, Leh Ladakh, Leh Ladakh. 
so i think uh, i said okay let me see what what's what lay in ladakh so hmm i took the bike i was just riding right now how old are you then 23 24 okay fair enough yeah and then i ended up riding uh, again from bangalore so initially uh, earlier uh, the highways used to be horrible in uh, india Mm-hmm. before the gq came out mm-hmm. but then by 23 when i was by when i was 23 24 i think the gq was done in most st- stretches between okay. bangalore pune so it was good so you did good time then you went to bombay and then from bombay you went to ahmedabad from ahmedabad you went towards uh, J- this one uh, udaipur jaipur delhi chandigarh and this is days of no no google maps and all right. so you You don't have Google Maps on the phone. Yeah. Mm. There was Google Maps on the internet. So you could, mm. I think, do some searching. Plus you had actual maps. So right, you know right. which city you have to go. And you just okay, ask okay. for the city. You reach the city and ask the next guy. Uh, right. This roadside assistance. Assistance. Yes. RS. <laughs> That's <laughs> India. Mm. And people used to be shocked. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? किधर किधर जा रहे हो ऊपर हिमालय हिमालय देखा हिमालय देखने जा रहे लाइक आप पागल हो गए सो दैट वाज इट एंड एंड बाय मनाली आई थिंक टाइम रीच मनाली मैंने मनाली आई कॉल्ड होम आल्सो एंड सम प्रॉब्लम सो आई टू गो बैक सो ओके आई कैन दिस ट्रिप शॉर्ट आई वाज ओके समडे आई फिनिश दिस नो नो प्रॉब्लम Uh, but yeah that's that's when i saw it first time you know the first time i saw the, the big mountains with those massive you couldn't s- believe it existed peaks. yeah i i knew they existed that it's not a question of belief it's a question of uh, uh how do i tell you it's a it's a very visceral uh, it's like a punch in the guts that's mm-hmm. the thing mm-hmm. that it does to you right it just takes the breath out of your mouth like wow Yeah, mm. Yes, I know the Mount Everest is eight thousand eight forty-eight meters tall. Mm-hmm. I know it because my brain knows what a meter is, mm-hmm. but my mind can't comprehend eight thousand eight forty-eight meters stacked one over the other. Mm-hmm. So it's that. Right. So th- this was not even Mount Everest, by the way. Yeah. So we went back. Right. I went back. Right. And then uh, after that, I didn't find time to come back. uh i was just so you were on the machismo for the right yeah yeah okay okay and it did well more this in 2009 i think there was a market research mm. for the new classic that was yet to be launched mm-hmm. royal enfield classic and i was sitting having coffee where uh, in bangalore the barista near janagar i was having okay. coffee and i am seeing one green bike roaming up and down huh. and uh, i like What are you to figure? Why? Why is the same bike going up and down the street? So, and I'm inside the coffee shop, right? So you can't even see it. And it's a very broad road, no mm-hmm. traffic. So people are doing good speeds. Then I walk outside. I'm seeing, and uh, and the green color is what caught my eye. That kind of green. I don't. I don't like that color personally. But it, <laughs> but it could. Uh, it's very uh, eye catching. Mm. And then I saw this the Royal Enfield. I was like, oh, this is the one that they've been talking about. This one to come out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I'm seeing uh, the bike enter a adjacent plot. It was mm-hmm. some kind of a school ground. Okay. Uh, and then I saw there was some shamianas there. So I said, okay, let me, let's go see what's happening. So I walk into the place, and 
Actually, it's a Royal Enfield company, was it? Right? Mm-hmm. They were doing a market research. They were doing like trying to figure out what people would think on the bike and stuff like that. So they were and parading the bike up and down. No, there were about hundred uh, uh, guys, motorcyclists there. Okay. They were all oh. coming there, giving their feedback and all of that. I thought it was the same bike that was going up and down. Ah, but but two three bikes. Okay. But they're all green and I couldn't. You can't see the number plate, right? But they're right. all going through. Right. right. So I was like, go up, find out what's happening here. Like this is the Royal Enfield market research and that and this. And I go. This, uh, I take my motorcycle and go there. My bo- my motorcycle that day happened to be the Yamaha three fifty. Uh-huh. <laughs> I tell you. Okay. Which is basically why how I got into Royal Enfield. <laughs> how and why? Yeah. So I got into the when the Yamaha three fifty and. Um, uh was it i was not on the much as much then so so i find out that there's a market research happening now and they see me on the bike and like would you like to give a feedback i was like yeah sure so i rode the bike went up and down came back rode and all of that uh, how much would you pay for this and that this and what do you think is so certain things the talk and all, the engine felt very talky it was really nice um sort of things based on handling and all i'm used to light motorcycles mm-hmm. so i was giving a personal thing and someone got into an argument over me and i was then getting into argument over with them over you know how dual cradle frame is better you can and how that i have a much smaller i find riding the 350 yama easier than riding the uh much smaller high speeds if uh-huh. i want to take a con uh-huh. that's when sachin chavan <laughs> okay i think uh, somebody he was there or he heard something he said something and i said something back and he didn't expect to hear that probably uh, we were talking about counter steering and he's like can you explain to me what counter steering is and counter steering is how you basically turn motorcycles at any speeds about 20 kilometers is what you do you turn the handlebar the opposite way the from the way you want to go to yeah. i think sachin knew that yeah. but i went into the whole physics behind it mm-hmm. i gave him the equations i told him what speed you could because for me it becomes a kind of you know when someone tries to put me down i'm like okay are you you want to understand i'll explain a little more i will tell you yeah i will tell you and <laughs> <laughs> yeah after later when you realize when you met sachin and you realize that must have made some kind of impact uh, because uh, and then i sent an email he was like send me your resume aha uh-huh. I said okay. And you were already sick of playing pranks for six years. Uh, no, actually, actually oh. not. I it, um, what, I never gave up IT because I was bored. Right? It, I would have done it if uh-huh. something else hadn't. I it was not that I was frustrated and looking out for something else. Uh-huh. Uh, so one thing led to another. I joined Royal Enfield, moved from Bangalore to Chennai. This was ten years ago. Hi, this is Neharika. And you're listening to Biker Radio Broadcast. You're listening to the Biker Radio Broadcast. Listen, connect, ride on. So, welcome back here on the 40th episode of the Biker Radio Broadcast. I'm Shandy, and I'm Sunny. And one of the picadellos we noticed with Santosh is his dissociation with designation. He clearly immerses himself in the job at hand and although he's a group manager marketing at Royal Enfield currently he could be doing anything including taking out the garbage that's true someone in fact asked him about his designation once and he said i'm the king of the south <laughs> apparently in reference to the game of thrones where jon snow makes a comeback so we asked him a bit about 
his job over the years. Hi, this is Santosh Vijay Kumar. Vijay Kumar, Vijay Kumar. From Royal Enfield. We're on the long way home. This was 10 years ago, 2009. I joined Royal Enfield, moved from Bangalore, Chennai. And then the first thing Satin tells me is that we, we want to do something called a Rider Mania. I said, like, yeah, yeah, the clubs do it. He's like, no, no, Royal Enfield Rider Mania in Goa. Like, I want you to go to all the background work on it. Mm. And I said, okay, fine. I had no clue what mm. to do. <laughs> so, took a motorcycle, set off. I came in October to Goa, spent 45 days here from mm. the beginning to the end until the festival got over. Mm. There was one person for everything. Mm. There was me. Mm. Uh-huh. From finding where to put up people, journalists, if they come, uh-huh. to Steve. We just met Steve. Steve, you know, hey. he wants Hilltop. To anything that needs to be printed out, finding the printer, get uh, speaking to someone to create the design, making the stickers, random mm-hmm. stickers to mm-hmm. everything. It all happened over a period of 45 days and I had no clue. The only thing that was helping me was the lovely people of Goa and a lot of bottles of beer. Mm. Mm. It got done. We had 200 people. Mm. Showed up. Showed up at that first festival. And then I kind of understood what we should do. Mm. For the next year. And things have just gotten better and better. Oh, yes. Right. Yeah, yes. from 2009 to 2014, uh, I was running Radamania. And then I stepped out. But yeah, uh, so like I told you, right? So I didn't go to uh, the Himalayas again. So 2009, no. uh, after that, uh, after the ride, when I had to come back from Manali. Right. right. So John Enfield. So 2010, I was supposed to go to Ladakh. I mean, Sachin is like, we'll do the Himalayan Odyssey. You, you, you come along with me this year. And I said, yeah, yeah, sure. And then, uh, so, so we had a brilliant mechanic. So, mm. his name is uh, SS, Shiv Shankaran. He's like a father figure. Mm. He's always built my bikes. So, mm. he, he built my bike. We put a lighter crank. Uh, we, put, uh, we put a bigger carburetor. It was really mm. fast. I was like very happy. Uh, so, I was just... Heading back home, uh, I was parked at the signal and a truck came and hit me from behind. So basically, it, it, it didn't hit me. So I was supposed to go to right. Uh-huh. And the right turn was, uh, what do you say? Blinking. No. Uh, uh-huh. uh, there was no right on. Straight okay. was on. Oh, okay. And he was in the right lane. Uh-huh. So he tried to cut off from behind me and then go straight. Oh. So somewhere everybody nudged me and the bike fell on me. I broke my leg. So I couldn't go to Ladakh in 2010. So 2011, I was like, this time I'm doing it for, for sure. And I went to Leh. The first time I went to Leh. Got hooked onto it. I was like, okay, I'm going to ride the entire Himalayas. Yeah. So after that, uh, uh, we did uh, Nepal. I cut across from uh, from Delhi on the Banwasa to... So I, I crossed Nepal from the uh, west to the east. Okay. Yeah. But I did all the trails. So I did, there was this one place... Uh, Going into Mustang, it's, it's called uh, Upper Mustang, Lower Mustang. Mm. Uh, the absolutely, there's never been a road there, and mm. I have no clue, right? So the, the local guy is telling me that it'll take you, you know, one day to go on top, and then it'll take you one day to come back. I was mm. like, no, I don't have the time. I have to go there. I'm doing a recce. I'll come back and spend time. I'll go there in the morning and come back. He's like, no, no, it's not. Can't be done. Mm. I was like, what do you mean can't be done? It's 350 kilometers. Of course, you can ride 350 kilometers in a day. Don't worry. Mm. Uh. When I reached the road, I realized what he actually meant. It was like absolutely no roads. No, but now I've already 
told him that I can do it in a day. Mm. So I ride up, ride back. A lot of people say that uh, it's still people are not doing it in one day up and down. But it, yeah. is, it is the world record that you. Yeah, world record. Nobody it, wants to do it. That still stands. Huh? Because nobody wants to do it. That's the route that's passing by the Annapurna, the Davlagiri, and the Tukche Peak. I mean, it's it's the deepest gorge uh-huh. in, on planet Earth. One uh-huh. plus it's got brilliant views. If you actually have any sense, you won't do it in one day. You want to stop. You want to look at it. I mean, you have Annapurna one, two, three this way. You have Davlagiri here. You have here, it's you can just spend the whole day sit watching it, and there's Nilgiri ahead of it after uh-huh. you cross this, right? But I'm like, okay, no, I'm gonna go up and down. Hi, this is Mark Hower, the founder of the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride, and you are listening to the Biker Radio Rodcast. You're listening to the Biker Radio Rodcast. Listen, connect, ride on. Hi, this is Santosh Vijaykumar. I'm Royal Enfield. Here on the long way home. Nepal really kicked the whole exploring and uh, mm-hmm. living in the mountains for me. Mm-hmm. For me, it's a very special country. I have great friends there. So then I pretty much, I think, every, everything there is to Nepal, where I can take a motorcycle, I've taken it to. So I think we were sitting and drinking, and we were drinking uh, Everest beer. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Everest, you get Everest. So I used to drink Everest beer always in Nepal. And uh, 2011, yeah. So Rabi Dai and Sabin, my friend, they mm-hmm. were telling me that, yeah, yeah, you can go to uh, Tibet easily. Acha. Right? I was like, uh, you sure? He's like, yeah, yeah. You're on Everest beer already, yeah. you know, you can easily get to Tibet. Mm-hmm. Right. It's just on so, the other side. So to Adash, you know, by the way, apparently you can ride to. Uh, Lhasa. Adash was like, uh, Tibet? Uh, yeah, yeah. Mm. After I come back to Chennai. He's like, okay, then let's... Then we're thinking, and then I'm like, okay, let's do a recce. We call it Tour of Tibet. Uh-huh. So uh, Adash used to work with me that time. So we're like, okay. So we sent two bikes to Lucknow. Flew into Lucknow, got the one of the bikes. And we set off towards Lhasa. When we did Lucknow to Lhasa, uh, we had a... You have to do it with a guide, with a Tibetan guide. And uh, uh, so we, our route was to Lhasa, right? You don't know there's a route cutting off to uh, the Everest. Mm. So we wanted to go to Lhasa. Mm. Mm. Okay, instead of going to Leh, we'll mm. go to Lhasa. Mm. You don't know you can do Mount Everest. Mm. And uh, and I I was sure that you couldn't ride to the base camp because uh, you only thought the base camp existed on the the south side, yeah, the, the Nepal side, side oh, right. where you have to trek. But the north side, you can actually ride up to, which I know now. I should have known earlier. <coughs> so, while we were on the highway, there was this blue board. And it says, it's just, it's got an arrow, right? And it says Mount Everest. So, I just parked there. There's a picture of, uh, Adash took this picture and we stopped. And the car is behind us. The car is way behind us. The guide has to come in the car. Because uh, on the highway, they have uh, these uh, timed uh, entries and exits Exit, from check, yeah. check posts. Yeah. Right? So... There's no point for him to go really fast. We were just going really fast because we didn't mind going and waiting ahead. Mm. So we wait for him. I was like, uh, uh, Tenzing, what is this man? He says, uh, Mount Everest, right? And he's like, yeah, yeah, Mount Everest Road. Mm-hmm. I was like, we want to go there. I mean, if we can take a bike there, we want to go there. And uh, he's like, okay, if we get to Lhasa, we'll make, we'll make a permit for it and uh, we'll, we'll adjust the itinerary and you guys can go. 
So we went to Lhasa, finished all partying, chilling. Finished the L2L. The way they drink beer in Tibet, mm. right? You have to go and experience. Mm. They don't have mugs. Mm. They have shot glasses. Mm. Okay. And you don't order for one can of beer. Mm. Right? So we met all these local Tibetan guys sitting and drinking. They'll order for a crate of beer. Mm. It doesn't come from the fridge because mm. it doesn't need to. It's chilled. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So they bring it and the, a lady comes with the crate. Mm. You sit, the glasses are served and she's pouring and she's standing. Mm. So you finish your glass and she's pouring again. Mm. That's exactly how they drink. And throughout the night, that lady will be there with you. Mm. And I was like, no, ma'am, we don't want it. He's like, no, no, this is local custom. She's happy to serve you, please. Mm. And then we had great conversations with the lady. She, really, she actually owns the place. So these are little chota short glasses. Yeah, yeah, the short glasses you do shots off, whiskey shots off. Yeah, same. You're drinking from that. Yeah, must and take a long uh, while. Yeah. Yeah. Thak jada, <coughs> it's almost reminds and have, me of Pani Puri. Golgappa Pani Puri. They have a <laughs> drinking game called Shopara. Uh-huh. Couldn't figure out. It's you use those cowrie shells or whatever and uh-huh. do something, and some things are moved on the board. And then people drink. And then people drink. And then they do it again. Yeah. And, and then, then they drink. So it's a shopara, and then you have to drink. Shopara, shopara. So you just keep playing. <laughs> nice game. <laughs> nice game. <laughs> yeah. So we did the whole Lhasa bit and all, and we came back. So we're like, really happy. And that's when we actually went to the base camp. I mean, like, it was. Uh, yeah, for someone who's not seen Nandi Hills, imagine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to, see, to see a boat that says Mount Everest right turn <laughs> was insane. I mean, like, uh-huh. right? For you, Everest is something that will take you weeks and months of preparation to get there. And you actually have gotten only to the base camp. But mm. uh, you're not a mountaineer, mm. right? You're a motorcyclist another day. Mm. Mm. And you basically have fun when the road is twisting and winding and you're going fast on it. That's yeah. what it is. But uh, to figure out you can do that and reach a place from where the f- base of the mountain is 10 kilometers away. Mm. Straight line, 10 kilometers away. Mm. And uh, you're at, you just have another 3.6 kilometers to climb and you'll be at the top of the world. Mm. Mm. That's it. It's 3.6 kilometers. It's, that that 3.6 kilometers is... Uh, I mean, you can you can <laughs> die in those 3.6 yeah, kilometers, yeah. we understand. <laughs> but just the scale, again, imagine, 3.6 kilometers is all that is. But we didn't stay overnight. Okay. Right? We went there in the early in the morning, we went from Tingri, we went there, rode up there, 100 kilometers off-road, running out of breath, but it's still okay. So we went there, took up a couple of pictures, saw the Everest, and felt very peaceful. But uh-huh. by now, also, I was also reading a lot of books about the mountains. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, I think I also understood what I felt when I read those books. One of them is uh, Anatoly Bukhari's The Climb. Okay. Right? It's about that same tragedy in, uh, that happened and they turned it into a movie. Mm-hmm. It's on that. But the account from the Ukrainian climber. He's got a beautiful quote there. It says, uh, the mountains are not stadiums where I mark my ambition. They are cathedrals where I practice my religion. Nice. It was very, very deep. So that's exactly what I felt when I sat at the base camp. I was like, wow. Then, yeah, then I wanted to take a break. I took a break. So six months. So I came back to Bangalore. I was teaching uh, engineering kids uh, maths and physics. Good money, actually, because you don't have to pay taxes. It was all in cash. 
There was no limitations on what I could be doing. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. It was an open JD. I said, I'll do this. I'll do this. So you could do whatever you wanted to. And yeah, it's nice. the company also was that way. I mean, if you had a great idea, nobody stopped you. Yes. You, had, you obviously had then great support. Yeah. From not just Sachin, but the entire yeah, ecosystem. Yeah. 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 Great support. Mm-hmm. So where does that come from at Royal Enfield? I think it's uh, built into the very essence of Royal Enfield, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, you would not have it any other way? No. Yeah. Would you call that freedom? Yeah. With responsibility. Right. So I think the only prerequisite for working at Royal Enfield is passion for for a motorcycle or just passion just passion I think okay I can be passionate I think yeah coming back (laughs) (laughs) hi my name is Mark Willsmore from Ace Cafe London on Biker Radio Rodcast you're listening to the Biker Radio Rodcast. Listen, connect, ride on. Hi, this is Santosh Vijaykumar. 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 From Royal Enfield. Here on the long way home. You were assistant manager marketing at some point in time, right? Yeah. And then... The first time I went to the Everest Base Camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, that time I was... Uh, Nothing, manager. Okay. I guess. <laughs> and what was your job? Nothing, just to get people to ride motorcycles. Mm. Right? Get them to have fun on their motorcycles. I mean, get them to have an experience. Build a culture of motorcycling. That's interesting. Yeah, it's pretty much, uh, I think, uh, the coolest job you could ask for. Mm. And then uh, throw an amazing party once a year mm. <laughs> in Goa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, so what is the culture of motorcycling? So, for us, the Royal Enfield culture of motorcycling, we call it pure motorcycling. Uh-huh. It's to, uh, I think it's to just uh, have pure, unadulterated fun on motorcycles. It's basically enjoy being on the motorcycle. So, it doesn't need to be in one particular flavor, right? So, it could just be a ride uh, to London Hills. <laughs> I'm not you are not take, you're not doing that anyway. So, yeah. so for so, you that is not cultural because, motorcycling. Because yeah. our, the guys who buy who ride roll and fields are so different, so vast. You can't have one set of it. Right. There are people who would love to do what we're doing with slide schools. Right. Right? Like to go you know, go really fast sliding around. Yeah. There'll be people loving to do the dirt track. There are people who just want to chill and ride in the f- jungles of South India. They don't want to think about the mountains. <laughs> And there are guys who just want to ride in the mountains. Right. right. But whatever you do, you just 
do it because you enjoy it. Right. Right? And you do it on your motorcycle. Mm. And it could be exploration, it could just be, you know, leisure. Right. So, so we, that's why we do different kinds of things. We do Radamania, we do Himalayan adventure for the hardcore adventure seeker. We used to do Tour of Rajasthan for the person who loved history because mm. we, we found places with history to ride to. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did uh, Run of Kutch. Mm. Most people uh, keep... I yeah. love Run of Kutch also, by the way. Mm. I really love the Run of Kutch. So we did... We crossed the Great White Run of Kutch uh-huh. once, one year, a long time ago. And mm. uh, we did the Astral Ride, right? For people mm. who love photography. Mm. Right, I, and I I love the night sky mm. up there. Uh-huh. Uh, for me, it's like I'm always thumbing my, you know, I'm putting a thumb out to see if any alien ship can rescue me from <laughs> the planet. Right? You look at them and you realize. I mean, this look at the billions of stars out there. I mm. mean, when you see it, you you know there has to be life somewhere out there, and mm. somebody else must be looking at. In the same direction from the opposite side. <laughs> with his thumb stuck outside. outside. <laughs> yeah. Are you a solo rider? What gives you more joy? Uh, both, actually. Uh, I love riding with a close bunch of friends hmm. or um, bigger group of people also. Hmm. I like riding alone also. So it depends. Uh, so I think uh, uh, based on your occasion, Let's say I want to get to a place. I want to do. Uh, so if I want to find and explore a place mm. for the first time, I'd rather do it alone. Mm. So, do you think you've grown up? <laughs> <laughs> My wife doesn't think so. I, I am sure I'm not. What does growing up mean? I don't know. I think the world wants to define uh, growing up with having a certain sense of seriousness and. Uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know what, what what the world means by growing up. I just want to have fun. Mm. We were all born to have fun, right? It's I don't know who said this that after thirty years of age you'll do this. After forty years of age you'll do that. Sixty you can't do this. At eighty you can't do this. And now is the time to die. So I don't. I don't. So basically, the question itself is. Uh, so, as per the world, if I mean, if I had to answer for them, he was like, I'm not a grown-up guy. But for myself, I think I have. I've learned a lot. I've had fun along the way. If you had the opportunity to write with anybody from history, oh, or contemporary times, yeah, who would it be and why? Steve McQueen. Uh-huh. <laughs> why? He's the king of cool. <laughs> right? He was just so cool. But if you had to ride a motorcycle and have a great time, It had to be with Steve McQueen. Hi, this is Sachin Chavan. Chavan, Chavan, Chavan. And you're listening to the Biker Radio Broadcast. You're listening to the Biker Radio Broadcast. Listen, connect, ride on. Hi, this is Santosh Vijay Kumar. Vijay Kumar. Vijay Kumar. From Royal Enfield. Here on the long way home. home. So that seed went into your mind of EBC? Yeah. So when we did it, uh, but uh, we had a lot of, uh, what do you say, it, it was hard on the body. Uh, and we were riding uh, 
we were riding a Machismo and we were riding an Electra 500. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a motorcycle made for a market research. It never came out in the Electra guys. <laughs> uh, so we, we just appropriated <laughs> the bikes and we were riding it. Well, how, how many people can say that this motorcycle who is one of its kind, <coughs> not sold but made, manufactured. <laughs> Adash was riding that. I was riding the Machismo. And... Uh, So I was like, we should get people here. I mean, look at what this did to me, right? There must be people, a lot of other friends of mine will be like blown when they get to the Everest Base Camp. Mm. So we did, uh, we did Tour of Tibet the same year after this trip. Within five months, we got guys coming back with us all the way. Okay. But then uh, that was also the time of the worst disaster on the Everest. Uh, when it was the 60th uh, yeah. summit uh, anniversary for uh, the Everest. And there was a traffic jam up. Plus the, the weather went bad. And the so it snowed out completely. Yeah. And, uh, and the road we were supposed to take was blocked. The snow had just... Hmm, we say... So, so, so nobody could do it. We came back. Mm. So after that, uh, I think uh, we didn't do Tour of Tibet again. In Burina, I was out of Royal Enfield. Stitching kids for some time. Then I worked for another motorcycle manufacturer. Uh-huh. played a few things there which I which I liked so uh, between all of this I did uh, the entire Nepal I saw all the beautiful bits Upper Mustang I did it solo uh-huh. while I was out I was riding a lot in the mountains I was spending time so like I think uh, it's riding the what? anything from, anything. from Himalayans to uh, Honda CRF250s or dirt bikes but light bikes nothing mm-hmm. heavy no, no big heavy bikes CRF 250s, the Himalayans, and uh, I was like, okay, now it's time to get, uh, show people uh, new places to ride to. Uh, so we did uh, Himalayan Adventure Mustang with a bunch of crazy, amazing bunch of guys. We camped for five months in the walled city of Lomantan. It was great, uh, right. great time. Then we thought we'd do the wrong book, but uh, we kept the group size small, and uh, While we were thinking, while we were planning that we should do wrong book is when I realized that uh, the routes to two other base camps, which is basically Chouyu and Shishipangma, uh, uh, the Chinese have opened those also for people to visit. Mm. I was like, okay, now it makes sense. You can see, go to three base camps or three of the 14, I mean, you have three of the 14, 8,000 peaks. Mm-hmm. And um, we came up with an itinerary and we... We got a bunch of guys and it was a brilliant ride. I think AIM has kicked into a lot of people. So we climbed altitude very quickly. Uh, so we went from uh, 900 meters to 3100 meters on on one day. And then from 3100 meters all the way to uh, 5200 meters and mm-hmm. came back and landed at 4000 plus meters throughout. And then we went, spent a night at Rongbuk, which is 5,300 meters approximately, mm. the place we were there. I think altitude kicked in. A lot of people uh, fell sick, but uh, uh, we were mostly okay. I mean, nothing major. And uh, yeah, I, I didn't have any uh, uh, mountain sickness, but then I had a very uh, vivid dream mm. of Gru stealing uh, the Everest. Mm. Right? Mm. Yeah, finally who, wrote it. Who was stealing the Everest? Gru. Gru from Despicable Me. Yeah. <laughs> was stealing Everest? Yeah. So, <laughs> so I fell asleep. In the middle of night, I'm like uh, screaming, that, Stop Gru, stop Gru. 
and then and like wake up and i'm like uh, i look at the mountain to make sure that look at the window to make sure that the everest is still there and then and then i realize what happened so in my sleep we were talking i think someone was talking about uh, animated movies being way better than uh, regular movies mm. right that was a point there was a conversation mm. the evening and we were talking you know, everyone was talking about how uh, uh, mega mind was brilliant mm. right uh, so was despicable me and stuff so it was probably was somewhere in my brain was there mm. and then i went to mount everest base camp mm. and then i think uh, I had a really disturbed sleep, so I had this whole thing that uh, <laughs> whole dream that yeah. Gruz has come with a shrink gun and shrink ray, and he shrunk the Mount Everest and he's stealing it. <laughs> and we were riding, <laughs> riding Himalayas to watch the Everest, and we just see a big hole where <laughs> the Everest was. So I'm Mark Wells, 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 and you're currently listening to. The Radio Hello, welcome back. I'm Shandy. And I'm Sunny. And you know, Sunny, I was just thinking about it. You know, this time at the Ridomania, they gave out those black bottles. Mm-hmm. And uh, in extension of the uh, program that they have of leave every place better. Right. And uh, just was talking about that garbage thing earlier. Mm-hmm. That he's ready to take out even garbage. Yeah. Right. This is a fantastic initiative from Royal Enfield. Yeah, so guys, you missed out on some bottles that we ourselves handed out. Oh, yeah. Which had the Biker Radio Broadcast logo on it. Oh, yes. So, uh, but I mean, the point is that with the way that the world is going these days, yeah, uh, it is extremely important to, one, reduce single-use plastic. Right. right? And uh, the best you can do is start with using a bottle that you can use. Right. And, uh, okay, so even if you're traveling to... Any part of this country, right. you will need water. Right. Right. So carry your bottle. So please carry your own bottle. Right. So, yeah. But, but if, well, if, it was a great idea. Yeah. It was a great idea. But, you know, I mean, on the carabiner, yeah. replace the carabiner. Yeah. You know, just get a decent get one. Get a decent one. Yeah. The bottle will stay. Yeah. You know, unless you mistreat it, you drop yeah. it or you break it. And, you know, it, you puncture a hole in aluminum, yeah. nothing's going to happen. This uh, Let's Leave Every Place Better campaign actually brought out this entire thing about how in Leh uh, or in Ladakh, over 9 million bottles per year just yeah, get dumped. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and what happens is that uh, wherever you dumped it, yeah. the local person has no way to get rid of it. Right. So either they burn it yeah. or it lies around. Yeah. So why? Why? Yeah. And, uh, you know, at the Radomania, we yeah. had Pradeep Sangwan. Yes, of you course. Know, I mean, so, we, uh, but uh, Pradeep is doing a great job of just doing a, Healing this, the Himalayas. Cleaning the Himalayas. Yeah. So, uh, his hashtag is called uh, Healing the Himalayas, yeah. where he takes tours out for people. So, you know, just do your bit. Let's leave every place better. You're listening to the Michael Radio Broadcast. Listen, connect, ride on. Hi, this is Santosh Vijayakumar. From Royal Enfield. We're on the long way home. So, what's your favorite motorcycle? <laughs> My favorite motorcycle. The one that is yet to be made. Okay. <laughs> no, actually, <laughs> okay. I'm just kidding. I have lots of favorites. I like the, the Norton Commando. I like the Vincent uh, Black Lightning. These are all old bikes. I like the uh, the Suzuki Katana. Mm-hmm. 
I I like um, I like the MV Augustas pretty much all of them. Uh-huh. Mm. I think they look beautiful. I like the Ducati 916, the old one. I like the Husqvarna's, all of them. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh the Husqvarna 701 is a very nice motorcycle. Mm. And I like what uh, Keanu Reeves is building with those arch motorcycles. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I like I like those bikes. I generally don't like uh, uh American motorcycles. Mm. Mm-hmm. This one I like. Is there a Royal Enfield in that list somewhere? That goes without saying. I'm riding Royal Enfields. Okay. So, my Machismo, which is very special for me because I bought it from my Do dad. you ride the Machismo to work? I used to ride. I've ridden the Machismo on all the rides until this year. Mm. This year is the year that I've been taking the Himalayan. Uh-huh. If not, it's always been the Machismo. Mm. It's always been the Machismo. Mm. So, throughout my entire stint at Royal Enfield, I would always... So I would take the bike completely break it back come back build it again I used to call it the ship of Theseus right so that's the one that I we have a very strong bond would you say that is your favorite that's more than favorite I mean, you know that's that's a part of me actually hmm almost as part of me I was just telling in terms of uh, like close my eyes what are the motorcycles that I've right, right. yet to buy yeah <laughs> Or get. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or get. <laughs> If someone's going to give them to me, my yeah, wife. Yeah. Hopefully okay. when she hears this. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Do you like the Himalayan? Oh, I love the Himalayan. I love the Himalayan. What That's do you like about the Himalayan? It's such a forgiving motorcycle. Forgiving? Yeah. Okay, I haven't heard that word for describing a motorcycle ever. <laughs> Please tell us how. So... There are motorcycles that are really good and you do something really stupid with them they're not going to forgive you i mean you give them a wrong input they okay. react oh. uh, you hit them very hard onto a pothole they'll throw you off oh. the himalayans somehow just all the abuse that you hurl at it uh, on a bad stretch it just soaks it up it's like without complaining it gets you out mm. like even an average or below average motorcyclist mm-hmm. can get on the himalayans and do a really really tough technical path mm. without killing himself mm. right it it takes it takes most of the work off you mm. mm-hmm. and uh, so for someone who's looking at adventure touring mm. right mm-hmm. not someone who's trying to fly 30 feet in the air on a motocross track mm. Mm. looking at adventure touring to do a, go places explore mm. the himalayan is a beautiful motorcycle mm. to have so much so that you guys rode it to the Everest base camp this year this year yeah do you do something special to those bikes no nothing stock bikes stock bikes the only thing we did was uh, we used very bad fuel <laughs> oh deliberately <laughs> no it wasn't deliberate <laughs> we should have known at the bottom of the fuel is really bad so we put some really bad fuel and uh, we clogged up the filters in the fuel pump mm-hmm. but it still managed So my bike for the last two days was sputtering because it was completely flogged. So it would keep switching on and off when you're riding. Mm-hmm. But then it got me back home. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got it back here. We saw all the... So we didn't get petrol in one place in Tibet. Mm. So basically what happened was uh, 
so tibet uh, you can't ride your motorcycles into the petrol bunk uh, mm. they won't let you do it mm. they'll stop you they'll come back with those cans that they fill and then they fill in your bike and But you're not allowed to carry spare fuel mm. nobody's allowed to not even tibetans if you have to carry spare fuel or if you need to carry fuel in drums mm. you need to get a permit mm. this is probably because of the all the protests that they use petrol all of that mm-hmm. so that day that petrol bunk that we were supposed to fill up in the morning on the way back home we were supposed to do 270 kilometers mm. 290 kilometers back towards nepal so that was shut down by the cops because the previous night he had sold petrol at a slightly higher cost to some local farmer who wanted petrol and didn't have the permits mm. and the farmer was caught by the cops and the cops figured out he's gone to this petrol because there's nothing else there there are no petrol bunks uh, on either side mm. there's this town with this petrol bunk so they came and they saw the cctv thing and they basically shut down the petrol bunk and there was no petrol and we had uh, 11 motorcycles that had to get back uh, there was some petrol in in the bikes we didn't have a full tank so we did a quick check and I, and everyone was like we should go this way because the, the nearest petrol bunk was 100 kilometers in the opposite direction and they were like we should go there fill up and come back i was like what's the point i mean you go 100 kilometers 200 kilometers right? basically 200 kilometers and then you already used up 100 kilometers worth of fuel you need a full tank and then you still will, will fall short so we saw which bikes are the best the highest amount of fuel uh, there were seven of those and the other four we just emptied the tanks mm. transferred that petrol to uh, these bikes then somebody had some some local farmer who had the permit mm. he had about uh, 30 liters of fuel with him mm. divided that between seven motorcycles mm. and we rode back and uh, i mean i'd done a quick calculation in my head and thought that we'll just make it to the petrol bunk we all mm. made it to the petrol bunk and when we reached the petrol bunk uh, most of the tanks were you know almost dry like they would have gone another 10 15 kilometers mm-hmm. but we reached the bunk and then we filled up so so the the fuel that we bought from uh, the farmer mm. that, that was, was bad, bad. Yeah. my was the first one to get the bad fuel so mm-hmm. i took more of it i'll tell you what's the really cool thing about tibet right now you can't see any planes i mean generally no matter where you're riding mm. you know, you'll see one plane right huh. somewhere or the other you'll see a vapor trail at least at the right most. right this is actually something out there right here yeah. uh, especially when on the tibetan plains when you're coming towards the uh, high peaks right you don't see a single plane because yeah, you're already so high you're like 5200 and the peaks are at 8000 so they have right. to have a uh, you know they need to be at least 2000 meters above right. and i don't think they fly at that height yeah not the commercial airline yeah. things you don't see a single plane there that's right. true But I, and the only thing is that you know near lhasa is the nearest airport mm-hmm. so to get to that you have to change certain altitudes and the mm. the air becomes very thin at one point in time so you cannot even fly higher mm-hmm. and you have to climb higher to go down mm. so it's very tricky so all planes it's just a no go area on the planet oh it's true No, for me it's an observation. But yeah, planes yeah. normally fly at ten uh, ten uh, kilometers, uh, which is like two kilometers above or less than two kilometers above. Yeah, the that's true. Yeah, but but they need that. Uh, I think they need a certain buffer. What man? What yeah, buffer do they need? Yeah, I they just need sure. air there, no? There'll be no air there for sure. Yeah, look it up. Uh, so how do they fly if there's no air there? 
you know, check out, check this thing out about flying. Known as the Roof of the World, Tibet is also bordered by the world's two highest mountain peaks, Mount Everest at 29,029 feet and K2 at 28,251 feet high. During World War II, flying over Tibet was called flying the hump. After the Burma Road was captured by the Japanese, pilots had to fly cargo from India and Burma over Tibet and into China. A higher percentage of flight crews died flying over the hump than were killed during the daylight bombing raids over Germany. Flying over Tibet presents a problem for airliners for four reasons. First, there are only two airports in the region. Lhasa Gangar Airport in Lhasa, the capital of the Tibet Autonomous Region, and Tribhuvan Airport in Kathmandu, the capital of Nepal. If there is a medical emergency on board an aircraft, there are no alternative airfields on which to land. Landing at Lhasa can be a problem for some people because its elevation is 3,650 meters or 11,975 feet, and it takes a while for breathing to adjust. The second reason flying over Tibet is a problem for aircraft is because of the amount of emergency oxygen airplanes carry. Planes have only between 10 and 20 minutes of oxygen, which should be long enough for an aircraft to descend to below 10,000 feet, where there is breathable air. But most of Tibet lies above 10,000 feet. The third reason flying over Tibet presents a problem for airliners is because of engine-out drift-down procedures. These are the set of instructions pilots must follow if one of the plane's engines goes out. Modern planes are designed to fly with the loss of an engine, but the plane must drift down to a lower altitude. This altitude is determined by the gross weight of the airplane. Over Tibet, that safe altitude might be lower than that of the ground. The fourth problem facing airliners flying over Tibet is clean air turbulence. This type of turbulence can't be seen or predicted in advance by pilots. It is caused by eddies of air created when the airflow is disrupted by the great mountains in areas that have strong perpendicular winds and where temperature inversions are common. When flown through, clear air turbulence can be very destructive to an aircraft. According to the U.S. Federal Aviation Administration, clear air turbulence is the leading cause of injuries to passengers and flight attendants. Oh, a Fact check. 
Hi, this is Samrat. And you're listening to Biker Radio Broadcast. You're listening to the Biker Radio Broadcast. Listen, connect, ride on. Hi, this is Santosh Vijay Kumar. Vijay Kumar. From Royal Enfield. Here on the long way home. home. And your your music is different. Yeah, generally okay. So I I never listen to music uh, in school. Right. Like I told you my family whether did science or you did accounting. Mm. Two things. So there was no no other hobby. No one is artistically inclined in my family. They can't sing. They all tone deaf. I think my sister is slightly better anyway. Mm. So growing up in school all these all my friends were like listening to Backstreet Boys and stuff like that I'm like what the hell is this this mm. is bullshit I mean look listen so I used to read a lot of poetry mm. right uh-huh, uh-huh. I love poetry uh-huh. so kids everybody so I used to read a lot I used to so for me words have a very significant right if you if you say something the words uh, please pass it through multiple filters in your brain make sure that they actually mean something when they come out mm-hmm. not the kind of lyrics that you see katy perry singing is like <laughs> <laughs> anyway so but the first time i actually uh, fell in love with music was when i heard the trooper mm-hmm. iron maiden's trooper mm-hmm. uh-huh. right so i'm also a bit of a history buff like i tell you i have a very good memory so i know the crimean war and mm. i know the charge of the light brigade mm. right mm. and the trooper is basically the charge of the light brigade right that's all it is right and i'm like wow one it's nice it you know it's it's a charge of the light brigade plus this music sounds interesting what the hell is this mm. i had no clue what heavy metal was in this is when i was in what, what 15 years old something like mm. and what the hell is this heavy metal what is heavy metal mm. you figure out what heavy metal is it go oh, this guy called i think stephen wolf oh, yeah. born to be wild mm-hmm. heavy metal thunder mm. yeah he says that's where the term heavy metal comes from and that's how it got applied to the genre i was like oh this is my my genre then i was only listening to iron maiden iron maiden iron maiden all the time mm. so once you start listening to iron maiden then you start listen to other guys mm. who play similar them black sabbath mm. sabbath then then you have judas priest then you have uh, you have various guys right you have right. all the metal guys then Megadeth, Megadeth, I kind of uh, resonated really well because of, again, idealism and anger. Mm. And, and uh, Mustaine knows a thing or two about anger. Mm. <laughs> uh, so I was listening to that for a long time and I realized, uh, now I realize that was also the time when I was really, really angry in life also in general. Exactly. Wow. I was very angry in my life. And uh, I still listen to it sometimes. Yeah. and not sometimes I'll, I'll it's on my playlist i play then i discovered blues mm. right i love blues mm. i love blues so i play blues so it's rock metal blues uh pretty much and i like uh, i like indian bands also some of mm. them like avila like avila mm. i also like guys who bring in indian uh nice. classical music okay. into rock uh-huh. right so we had this band that played uh, the lay reunion adi and sohel yeah so we're doing reunion lay 
uh, and Adyan Suhail. So he plays a saro, some, some stringed instrument. Like, I don't know what it is. Mm. Um, but it's beautiful music. It's like, uh, I love violin also. Mm. I realize mm. I love violin more than guitar mm. uh, much later. So Adyan Suhail, uh, this, uh, playing a song, <coughs> song, song called uh, Zindagi mm. Mm. at 10,000 feet above sea level. Mm. The backdrop, failed for the backdrop. We had the peaks, the backdrop. And the song was like, uh, it's called Zindagi. And then uh, he's, it's a beautiful song. I mean, uh, almost had tears in my eyes because it's making you think at 10,000 feet and you've already had a couple of beers and stuff like that. And, mm-hmm. and the lyrics were so deep. I really loved the song. Really good. Hi, I'm Candida Lewis and you're listening to me on the Biker Radio Broadcast. You're listening to the Biker Radio Broadcast. Listen. Connect right on. Hi, this is Santosh Kumar from Royal Enfield. Here on the long way home. Do you play some music? Do you no. play music? No, I've never found the time to do that. I actually want to. I want to uh, learn to play an instrument. But with all the other things I've been doing, I'm not. I know that if I do it, I need to give it a lot of time. Right. I, I don't. I don't pick up things lightly. Uh, even lock picking was very serious for me. Mm-hmm. So once I picked it up, and I actually uh, realized more, spent more money on it. Uh, I got a uh, titanium uh, lock picking set that set me back by around uh, three hundred pounds. Wow! Uh, so made in titanium. Yeah, made in titanium, so it doesn't flex. You too can much. just order these off the net. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's a it's a tool set like right. you have picks and torque wrenches, but you got to know which one to use where. Not just which one to use the the feel. It's it's more about feel. It's uh, it's the more time you spend with locks, the more you understand uh, when the when it's clicking into place, and it's so so. Can you please run us through how this works? Mm, it works differently. I mean, okay, let's let's take the simplest lock. Right. Okay. It's got a pin and tumbler lock. Right. Most uh, locks are of that. I mean, cheap locks are of that nature. Okay. So you have a key, and you have you've seen those ridges on the keys, right? Right. So when you slot it in, right. what the ridges are doing huh. are pushing pins up. Yeah. So if they, you have six ridges huh. with peaks and troughs or whatever, huh. you'll have six pins. Huh. So there are six pins here, and these are all cut to a certain height. Mm. Okay. And there are. And these pins also have, uh, there's another set of six pins over there. Okay. So, they're all cut to different heights. Okay. So, when you slot your key in, the ridges make sure that all the pins come to the same height. Mm. Because uh, you can have a short pin, but with a higher peak. Yeah. You can have a long pin with a low, uh, with a trough. Trough. Because of which they all come to the same line. So, if they're all to the same line, then the cylinder can... S- Turn over. Turn over. Even if one pin goes a little above, uh, the cylinder won't, won't uh, uh, rotate. So that's pretty much what it is on this cheapest lock, and you and you can feel this with practice. You can, you know which pin is giving you the. So so normally, how many uh, are in a set? Oh, so it uh, so there are sets with two hundred and sixty-four picks and all of that. You don't need two hundred and sixty-four. Uh, so the one that I got was some. 68, uh, 68 different kind of picks for different kind of locks. So there, so when people start making so picks, you obviously then you have to know which pick. Yeah, to yeah. you will figure that out. Achha. I mean, once you spend time, so 
always you don't buy equipment and then figure out what to do you always fail you got your bike and then you figured out how to ride it <laughs> so that's different that's different <laughs> it's like an adrenaline rush actually so let's say you're trying to pick a lock uh, it's a it's a brilliant feeling uh, and hearing that, the click is a yes, brilliant that that click uh, is amazing uh, the final click or the the click when when you know all the open. pins are in place and it's ah. going to turn that click is amazing in fact uh, uh, there's a brilliant story on this i think uh, a lot of people on the himalayan odyssey you know this so we had a japanese gentleman called uh, yuki shimada uh-huh. he's riding with us great guy amazing guy he was a motorcycle tester plus he was a dj also in japan in tokyo so you we were riding from uh, kalpa to kaza hmm. we reached kaza amazing ride brilliant day and that odyssey was we had like really colorful characters right mm. 2012 and uh, we reach uh, we stay at the hotel uh, the hptdc thing spiti mm. and straight up we go everyone is like wants to have a good time because the next day is a rest day in kaza mm. right three days uh, three hard days so everybody just goes and orders beers and just food and everyone's talking mm. there was mile from chennai there was ernesto and uh, uh moro from uh, uruguay mm. adesto is telling guys how to you know how to make sure that uh, you get married to the right woman mm. and everyone is like having a great time ball mm. of time mm. they're all eating drinking smoking and somebody offers uh, 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 yuki something exotic mm. and uh, he is very happy so i say okay good night and we go sleep and uh, next day in the morning i come out of the room my friend was with me he was a very good from hemant we were sharing the room we come out uh, for coffee and i see yuki still in the riding pants riding boots uh, no jacket of course but riding pants riding boots looking very lost ask him uh, what happened he's like is my key in your room i was like what key my suitcase key and he had this really big huge suitcase yeah. and i was like no it's not can i he's like can i look in your room i've looked all over the hotel only thing i have not seen is your room mm. i said yeah be my guest he came check my room and he couldn't he couldn't uh, find it so i said what's up he's like my suitcase is locked my keys are uh, lost and i have not been able to change mm. only like, that's okay we'll try and open the lock mm. and he thought i, I meant we're going to break the suitcase yeah. <laughs> right he said no 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 no, no. i like i'll open the lock Mm. he still didn't get it like it's okay we pulled it down so bike service and all has started and all people we pulled a suitcase out which break this and i didn't have any tools so i just asked for a thin uh, screwdriver the, the thin ones the one you used to mm. flat 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 headed one thin mm. one you don't carry the set with you all the time no that's not as a anymore. hobby no huh? Okay. now you making me sound like a professional burglar <laughs> <laughs> you have been 264 no, no. keys no, and no, then no. you are now you have one which is 68 no, no. no so a plan b yeah <laughs> and then uh, i just pick, took that and then i had you know a paper clip most mm. places is sufficient to do it and you know i'm doing this i'm trying to do it and the japanese guy is standing right here and the whole thing must have taken 30 seconds or 40 seconds So I'm trying to do this, and this guy is here. Oh, Japanese technology! Very hard to open. I mean, I'm being racist. This is exactly what he said. Mm. And my friend Hemant is there. He's like, uh, he's asking, speaking to me in Kannada. He's like, Are you going to open it? I was like, I was like, it's already opened. 
It's opened. I've opened it. I'm just holding the suitcase with my the with, with this finger to let not let it open fall. So like Japanese technology, very hard to open. So like Indian ingenuity <laughs> can open anything and just let go of a finger and the thing open. Just so the suitcase was like this. This one opened, and the guy was shocked. He is like, oh, like it's okay. <laughs> it happens. And uh, he was very insistent that I smoke his cigarettes mm-hmm. because he also hadn't smoked cigarettes. He was mm-hmm. out of cigarettes. So he gave me a pack of his cigarettes. And and when I tell them that I do this because it just amuses me, people, right. people can't understand it. Just a prankster. <laughs> <laughs> well, Santosh Vijay Kumar, thank you so much for being on the Biker Radio broadcast and on the long way home. Thank you guys. Thank you so much. Thank I love being here. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Hi, this is Santosh Vijay Kumar and you're listening to the Bike Radio broadcast. And that dreamy weekend in Goa comes to a stop. Yeah, extended by a couple of days, which is great. Oh yes, by the way, as we speak right now the India Bike Week is on. Yeah, it's starting on the 6th, which is a Friday. Tomorrow. Yeah. and goes on till the 7th which yeah. is a saturday so two day event so anybody and everybody who's there it's made a comeback after a gap of two a years. couple of years yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, kudos to the team at the india bike week yeah. for putting the property back on two wheels and uh, we're hoping to get some uh, stories out of there yeah chale chalo over and out Breaking the law, breaking the law. 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 Sorry. Well, you know we forgot something. Leave every place better.